Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. minute where clever ruses are uncovered in Mad Max to the Road Warrior one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 91, which begins with Max getting out of the wreck, and it ends with the gyro captain arriving on the scene. Good Monday morning, Julia. Oh, Monday already? Not just any Monday. This is our last Monday. Oh, it's our last Monday. Yep, this is it. This is the last week of Road Warrior. (sighs) Wow, this flew by. Didn't it? Yeah, I cannot believe it. Yep, from here on out, it'll just be hiatus episodes until the summer. <laughs> yep. Anyway, we aren't done with the movie just yet, because we rejoin Max and the Feral Child in the cab of the rig where we left them on Friday, and Max is more or less trying to drag himself out of the rig and he's just having a hell of a time of it because the feral child is splayed out across his chest weighing him down (laughs) max does this little move where he puts his arm around the feral child it's very protective and sweet and fatherly and i love it it's the sort of fatherliness that we never got to see him be with sprog Mm. we only saw them really together once and Max was being a little hands-offish in that one scene. You keep forgetting the part where he was holding Sprog after they escaped the ice cream shop. Oh, yeah, you're right, I do. Okay, so we have seen him be protective yeah. in an emergency-type situation. I was say, don't okay. throw the baby out with the bathwater just yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I will admit, it is very paternal of Max to be protective and whatnot. And I'm just saying he'd have an easier time getting out of that rig if he didn't have a kid on him right now. And even after he struggles his way out of the rig, the feral child is still just a lump, just a bump on a log. Because as we fade out of the cab, Max is just carrying him like a sack of potatoes. Real quick before we exit the cab, I want to point out that this is the second major crash that Max has been through in the same day. This is the second time he has had to pull himself out of a destroyed car in the same day, right? The Interceptor was that morning, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah, Max has been through a lot today. I have never thought about that before. Yeah. That Max left in the middle of the night, he went through the raider camp, he got wrecked, his car got blown up, he got picked up by the gyro captain, and then without them having any sort of narrative transition to a different day, they jumped in the rig and drove away. Holy cow. Man, Australians really do have superhuman healing ability, don't they? (laughs) At least they do in the Mad Max series. Holy cow. That, oh wow, that floors me. I cannot even fathom that I never noticed this before. Like, I was sitting here, and you were saying that, and I was like, wait, what are you... And then it's like, oh, yeah, now I see it. Man, talk about a bad day. And both times, he had a dependent in the car with him. Somebody that he valued the life of and wanted to protect. And both times, that dependent, dog and the feral child, survived through the crash. That's a good point. They were... Although... They were fine after the crash. Yes, although Max still couldn't protect Dog against other forces. 
Mm. Although so, Max comes out of this wreck a lot better than he came out of the first one. Oh, yeah. This one wasn't nearly as serious. There was no continued rolling. Mm-hmm. Max was never upside down in the cab. Yeah. It just fell over on its side. I think despite the danger of this stunt, given that the vehicle was so large and that they were attempting to roll it on purpose, in the grand scheme of things, the Mac flipping over was a very fluid motion and it skidded along the ground, slowing rapidly, but still it didn't hit a brick wall or anything like that. No, nothing like the Interceptor that rolled and rolled and rolled seemingly forever. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest risk in this stunt, and I read this on the Mad Max movies page last Thursday and I never brought it up, but the biggest risk that this stunt posed to the stuntman was the cab itself coming off the frame of the rig. And so they reinforced it down to the frame and whatnot. But in the grand scheme of things, as I was alluding to before, it's not actually that bad. No, what makes it epic is the size of the total machine. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that it hits Humongous's truck right before it rolls over onto its side, Humongous's truck gives a nice splash to it. Oh, yeah. It's very showy. What was the context? I can't remember. I think it was back in Mad Max 79 when we were talking about the scene on the bridge where Max drives through the motorcyclists and they go off the bridge into the river. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, oh, it must be so dangerous for them to go down into the river at a high speed. And the physics resource that we saw, it wasn't so much that the fluids act solid, it's that the solids can start to act like fluids. And that's definitely what we saw with Lord Humongous's truck here. Yes. That rig plowed through his truck and just turned it to more or less a fluid. The way it splashed out, it looked like a slow-mo guy's video. Absolutely. Like them throwing a water balloon at a wall and the way that the water balloon crashes out. Mm -hmm. That's what it looked like when that rig hit that truck. Yeah, really quite spectacular. So that combined with the sheer size of this vehicle just rolling over 90 degrees Mm -hmm. is impressive in and of itself. So the pairing together was really great. Any large vehicle rolling over that far is impressive. Mm -hmm. Say your brother-in-law knows a thing about that. Oh, come on. Um. (laughs) So real quick back to my original point where I diverted off the path is that it must be on Max's mind to protect the feral child even after he has successfully gotten him out of the truck. Mm. Because that's when things went south for Dog. Right. We fade from Max and the feral child in the cab to Max carrying the feral child around the wrecked rig towards the tanker. And he walks over to the rear axle of the tanker and he sets the feral child down on one of the tires. And he does so much more carefully than he was being with the carrying. Let me try and rephrase that so it doesn't sound so weird. Max is much more careful placing the feral child than he was being actively carrying the feral child because he's carrying the child, as I mentioned before, like a sack of potatoes. Yes. Just with the one arm and he's draped over. I'm pretty sure that feral child has been rattled quite a bit. Yeah, I was kind of curious about why Max was carrying him like that. The feral child looks so helpless. Once again, we are reminded at how small he is. The fact that he is just a child? The fact that he is just (laughs) a child. Even though he was just moments ago playing a pivotal role, being sent out on the hood Hmm. of a speeding truck to get a shotgun shell, he is just a small child. 
However, when he was still in the truck, he was waking up. When he was on Max's chest, he was moving his head. He was moving his arm. Mm -hmm. So I was a little surprised that he wasn't at least partially walking on his own. Max isn't the type to coddle a child. If the feral child was at all capable of walking on his own, Max would make him. Maybe the child just didn't want to walk. Yeah, Max Max doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would coddle a child in that way either. Maybe this is Max's version of coddling. One arm around the (laughs) midsection. Because the feral child probably didn't want to move. He probably just wanted to hang out in the cab. And Max was like, no, we're not going to stay in here. You're going to come with me. And the feral child was like, I don't want to. Or whatever equivalent vocalization would be to that. And so rather than dragging or carrying the feral child in a more constructive way, he just grabbed him. And sloughed him over there. What's interesting about this is that Max is carrying the feral child with the arm that got tore up around the shoulder by Bearclaw Mohawk. Yes, that is very interesting. You would think that he would use the other arm because it didn't get clawed up by a raider. But Although the other arm isn't in fantastic shape either. No, not really any part of Max is in fantastic <laughs> shape. No. But you know what is in fantastic shape? The tires of the rig and the tanker. Yes, they are. They do not look punctured. They do not look like they've been driven on while flat. And who knows, maybe it's just how tires look when they're not actively holding up a vehicle. Right. When tires, even tires that have gone flat, once you take them off, with the amount of force that you or I would put on them, you can barely tell that they're no good anymore. It's only with the weight of an actual vehicle do they no longer hold up under the pressure. So now that there's no pressure on these tires, they look inflated again. Except that I do partially agree with you that tires that have been punctured and then driven on are going to start to tear themselves apart. Yeah. And none of those tires were at all torn apart. They all looked fantastic. So... And there weren't any, uh, like, arrows sticking out of them or anything like that. I'm willing to give it a pass because you're not going to run a stunt on a vehicle where half of the tires are blown out. You're just not going to do that. No, of course not. And you're not going to send your production team over to swap out all the tires after the stunt is over. It's just a ton of work, ton of resources. It's not really worth it. No, it's a small detail. It is. Which is why we're pointing it out. Yes. If there's anything we love to do, it's point out small, annoying little details. (laughs) Another small annoying little detail is that there is a set of tires that is still spinning. Oh yeah, yeah. They haven't been sitting here that long. No, it's going at a pretty good clip too. Oh yeah. Kind of surprised if since that one is going pretty good, none of the other ones are moving at all. Hmm. It was probably one of the last tires because you're talking about the rear axle of the tanker, right? Yes. So it was probably one of the last tires to go off the ground. Good point. So that explains why it's still spinning, at least. Yeah. So Max walks over to the back axle. He plops the feral child down on that tire, and he turns around, and he notices something. We start off with this low angle, looking up at Max, and he's looking down, and he's got this look on his face. And we switch over to Max's POV, and he sees dirt spilling out from the low spout on the tanker. Now, this is not new to us. We've seen this at least twice before, dirt coming out of that spout. Yes. But this is the first time that Max has seen it. Mm, Max is so hard to read, which has been the bane of our existence for the last two movies. Mm -hmm. I think I see in his expression a bit of disbelief. Maybe a little bit of mm, surprise, kind of a strong word. Just seeing something unexpected. Although not angry, no emotion to go with that, seeing something unexpected. Mm -hmm. He's not amused. He's not angry. He's not annoyed. He's not anything. He just, oh, oh, okay. That's sad. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he reaches out and he puts his hand underneath it as if he doesn't believe it. I interpret the look as quizzical. Hmm, yeah, I like quizzical. And so he reaches out and he puts his hand underneath the stream and of course it creates a little pile of sand on his hand and he picks it up and he's looking at it and dirt is just streaming out between his fingers and it's so surreal he's looking at it and he's probably thinking about you know the compound dwellers and he's thinking about papagallo and he's thinking about the people on the rig and of course he's straight-faced this whole time but i imagine that he's thinking about all of these people and how each one of them were brutally killed in this fight all over just a diversion Mm-hmm. yeah it gets pretty heavy when you think about what the compound dwellers knew who went on the tanker anyways mm-hmm. and that they knowingly sacrificed themselves to keep up the ruse to make it more believable mm-hmm. because if nobody died then humongous would have figured out that there was something up and would have gone back so they had to make it believable i still think that Had the compound dwellers executed their organization of the tanker's defense differently, that they could have had a better survivability rating. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah. (laughs) At this point, it's all a hindsight. But I'm pretty sure that this is Max learning about the dirt. And I think this is Max finally realizing what Papagallo meant when Papagallo said, it's all over we've won Mm -hmm. because they had drawn the raiders so far away from the compound that the caravan was away and so they had won and i don't think max understood it at the time but now he does yeah i can imagine that originally that comment to max perhaps made max think a little less of papagallo that he was a poor judge of the situation Mm -hmm. that he didn't know what was going on or didn't have a strategic mind to understand what needed to happen. And so now realizing that he was the diversion and what Papagallo meant and the whole thing sliding into place, I'm sure that Max really found a new respect for Papagallo. Perhaps. We go from Max staring at the dirt in his hand to the feral child who is looking up at Max and then turns because through a cloud of smoke, the gyro captain is making yet another appearance. The last time we saw him, his gyrocopter was falling from the sky like a stone, and he hit the ground really hard. The mannequin that was him got flown pretty far forward into the ground. Like, it was rough. But here's the gyro captain rolling along the road, just pretty as a picture. His top rotor's a little bent, but he got that motor working again, and here he comes. The gyro captain has a habit of returning to the story in a comedic way. Mm -hmm. And this is no exception. And (laughs) the way we finish out this minute is that he does this, like, hero pose. He takes off his goggles, Mm -hmm. and he takes out the cigar out of his mouth. And he just, like you said, pretty as you please. He is so pleased with himself. Yeah, his... Top rotor is completely wrecked from the crash, but those arrows must have not done too much damage because he's still able to have that back fan working. And that back fan, that's the important one. It is. It's really the entire power for the whole thing. Mm. So he's basically driving an air-powered go-kart at this point. Yeah. I was going to make some sort of comparison to, like, swampin' boats, the big old airboats with the flat bottoms. Yeah. It's the same concept as that. I just didn't want to call it like an air car. That just sounds (laughs) dumb for some reason. I don't know. But there's just something goofy about the gyro captain. And yeah, when he rolls up, he still has his goggles on. And I don't know where he found a cigar. He must have had it in his coat or something like that. Yeah. 
It looks to be damaged, so I'm guessing that it was on his person. And maybe there's a trope in movies where somebody will have, like, a victory cigar. You know, very prominent in movies like Independence Day. So maybe it's his victory cigar that he's been saving. Mm -hmm. And it got damaged in the crash, but it's his victory. He's going to smoke it anyways. It might also just be a cigar that he's had for a long time, and he'll smoke a little bit of it and then put it out. Maybe, yeah. I do also really love the expression on his face. He is so happy because Max and the feral child are still alive. Yeah, I think the gyro captain is a lot happier to see Max and the feral child alive than Max is happy to see the gyro captain because Max sees the gyro captain come through the dirt, shakes the dirt off his hand, and then just goes to lean up against the tanker as if to be like, oh... Great, of all the people to survive this ordeal. <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. got you. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think there is a little bit of relief in there. If the gyro captain hadn't shown up, there's no vehicles around that Max could take to get back to any sort of civilization. So he'd kind of be stuck there. Or at least he'd have a very long walk ahead of him. Yes. Because a child. Because Max turned that rig around and he started heading back towards where Papagallo's lone wolf was. And the Lord Humongous got firebombed very shortly after taking out Papagallo. So based on where Good point. the Humongous started driving quickly and where Max turns around, where they crashed is probably closer to where Papagallo went down than not. Right, and his car wasn't damaged at all. It was just the driver. Yeah, so all they have to do is just push Papagallo out of the driver's seat, mm-hmm. and they've got a and perfectly fine vehicle. Yeah. Because none of the raiders around them stopped to take that vehicle back, so they can just assume it's still there. Yeah, not that we saw, so I, yeah, I think it's safe to assume it's still there. But having to walk all that way with the feral child probably would have been a bother. And then Max would have felt obligated to bring the feral child to the compound dwellers because Mm -hmm. he definitely doesn't want to hold on to him. Yeah. I think the gyro captain showing up definitely helped Max with that whole situation. Right. If I didn't know the end of the movie, I'd say, oh, thank goodness. Now he can send the feral child with the gyro captain back to the compound dwellers. And then Max can go find the lone wolf and just be on his way. Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely think they find the lone wolf before rejoining the compound dwellers. I don't think all three of them find the compound dwellers on what's left of the gyrocopter. Right. I don't think so either, but... Just the way you said it. Well, if they have two separate vehicles, then why'd Max go back to the compound dwellers? I don't know. He didn't stay with them. I know. Yeah, that's something for later. Yeah. That pretty much brings us to the end of 91. I think so, yeah. This is going to be a bit of a short one. Mm -hmm. This week's going to be interesting because we start in with the ending narration tomorrow. We finish the narration officially because there's one line left as the minute cuts off on Wednesday. After the movie ends on Wednesday, we're going to dive into the screenplay because there is a alternative ending. (laughs) Very alternative. In the original ending so we're gonna go over that and then for anyone that has listened to season one where we were covering mad max we used our time during the 
end credits to more or less ask some probing questions. And we looked at the movie as a whole. The characters, how they interacted, different things like that. And then Friday, I feel, is going to be a fun one because we've got some returning guests lined up. And we've got an interesting little thing planned for that. So this week will be fun, even if today's episode was a little short. (laughs) So we'll see you tomorrow. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy and presented by Warner Brothers Pictures in association with Village Roadshow Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. You can follow Mad Max Minute on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, and at MadMaxMinute.com. And finally, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, click on the support link at the top of the page, and check out our Patreon to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 90 one of the road warrior see you tomorrow